Welcome to the Everything Medical Wellness Podcast, produced by HealthFlex Associates. Today, we have Steve Robbins, the co-founder of HealthFlex Associates, as our featured guest. We will be discussing the best way to measure what your members think and feel about your medical fitness center. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's edition of Everything Medical Wellness. Uh, my name is Don Doyle and my co-host here, Ryan Barr. We are pleased to bring with us today the co-founder of HealthPlex Associates, Mr. Steve Robbins. Um, so, Steve, why don't you give us a little insight about how long ago you got in the industry and you know how you find value in the industry, especially managing its members like we do. Well, thank you, Don. Uh, actually, uh, I got my start, which was kind of coincidental with the with the company, um, almost back before Don was born. Uh, <laughs> I was a hospital administrator up in Michigan, and um, I was working for one of the large systems up there. And I took over a hospital that had just purchased a, a wellness center, a fitness center, in the suburbs of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, my predecessor had bought the facility and then quit. And then I found myself in the CEO chair and figuring out, well, what am I gonna do with a fitness center? I was a traditional hospital administrator. Um, what happened was that we kind of looked at it and said, all right, now how do these principles of fitness and wellness fit with traditional care. And we began to look at things that even back then, that was back in the uh, late eighties. Um, even back then we realized, you know, there was an impact on things like physical medicine, diabetes, arthritis care, and so forth. And um, that became very successful. And ultimately uh, a few years later, Michigan State University um, got some interest in the concept and we wound up doing with the same health system another facility which is still existing today uh, in conjunction with the university and one of the hospitals in lansing michigan um, from there of course uh, i was recruited to bring that concept to philadelphia with a suburban hospital system and we did and by that time it was the early 1990s and people were beginning to realize that wellness and fitness had a place in the continuum of care that we thought was traditional. Um, and what happened again was that uh, hospital administration is a small game. People know each other across the country. We started to get calls uh, about, gee, that was really cool what you did and it makes sense and you know you're providing services for patients with osteoporosis arthritis diabetes as i said and a whole host of conditions um, in addition at the same time a lot of the research from the universities was beginning to show the effect of staying fit and exercise um, and we got acsm coming out with its concept of exercise is medicine. And so we got calls from all over the country. Next thing you know, I was doing consulting and boom, HealthPlex Associates was born. And that resulted in a firm that started to have clients around the country. Uh, and that's when Mark Nadel and I took the company private 
um, and became what we are today, which is now 13 centers located across the country in eight different states. Very interesting. As a, uh, a true pioneer with um, medical wellness. So let's transition into you know, the topic we have today, which is the importance of you know, reaching out to our members and doing a member service satisfaction survey. Um, so, Steve, with your you know, 13 facilities that HealthFlex now has, why do you find it important to you know, reach out to the members with annual surveys and, and get their pulse? Well, I think it's critical to figure out what your customers think. You know, we, we do that in hospitals and we check with the patients and say, how is the care and how is the food and was your room clean and so forth. And we do that in every other industry. But anytime you have a business uh, that is customer focused and service focused, you really need to reach out and find out what that customer thinks, because it's not what you as the provider think of the service you're rendering, it's how the customer perceives it. That's what's going to define success or failure. And I don't care what your business is. Long ago, there was a, a, a customer service guru who wrote about the importance of finding out what the uh, customer feels is important. And I've always followed that philosophy because that's what's going to define success. Sure, definitely. Um, so to, to come off of that, now, this is Ryan speaking now, and I have been uh, honored to pick up the mantle from Steve's uh, setting up of our annual surveys to all of our clubs throughout HealthPlex Associates. And I've learned a lot in this past year doing that. But um, to get specific, with medical wellness centers being sponsored by healthcare systems, who are traditionally tuned into patient surveys, um, how are member surveys the same or different? Oh, they are very different. Um, first of all, you have a different type of consumer. If you think of a patient, a patient is in the hospital because they have to be. <laughs> Nobody, at least I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be in a hospital. I don't want to be a patient. So, the service they're looking for is very different than somebody who comes into a wellness center and who is there because they want to be, and they're expecting a certain level of service that is very different, a different type of service. The providers are very different. But I'll tell you where I find many hospitals do not understand the fundamental difference um, in between those two kind of consumers. When you have a patient, a patient is there hopefully rarely um, and not repetitively, hopefully. Um, they're there for a few days and they have a beginning and they have an end to that type of experience. Okay, so you can test for that kind of service and you can get a response on how was that experience. When you have a consumer, i.e. a member, who comes into a club, they're there hopefully 
two, three, four times a week. Some people get a little crazy, come every day. That might be over the top. But the point is that they're there over a longer period of time and their experience is different. So what you see is that a hospital will do either monthly or quarterly uh, surveys of the patient base that they had over that period of time. So for example, if I were doing a monthly, I would take all the admissions that I had over the last 30 days and I would sample those patients and I would try to find out what their experience was like and get their reaction. So those surveys are done every month or every quarter. Um, with a member situation, you can't go back to them every month or every quarter because you're asking the same people the same questions about the same product, okay? So what happens is we sometimes have to work with our clients to get to, to understand that an annual survey will give you a better picture, a better snapshot of that experience because it's a longitudinal situation that they need to look at. And it's it's a whole host of what has been your experience over the year. Have you seen progress and achieved your fitness goals? Whereas a patient, they come in, they have that appendix out, they know in a week whether or not they've gotten the service that they wanted. Right, or not. <laughs> or not, hopefully they have. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a percentage of members you hope to get to participate? And, and how do you get there? Yeah, you really do need to be very careful um, with any kind of surveying. And this is not just with consumer surveys for wellness centers versus hospitals. You always have to have a certain percentage so that you get that statistical validity. We always shoot for 25% of the membership. Um, the research we've done shows that you get a very high confidence level in your data. I'm sure you and all the folks listening to this remember back to Statistics 101 in college, and they told you, you know, what do you have to have as a sample to get a 95% confidence level that your data is correct and so forth. Um, there's a couple of ways you can look at it. I've read articles that say you have to have a sample of 200. Um, we go by percentage so that, for example, if we have one of our facilities with 3,000 members and we send that survey out, we're going to look for 25% of that 3,000 or 750 responses. Now, it gets a little tricky. It gets a little tricky because when you send that survey out, um, there's a very good chance that people will look at it and go, yeah, I'll get to that, and then they don't. Okay. Right. Um, and so what we found is that we have to send that survey out. We have a system that watches for how the responses come in. Usually we get within 24 hours, we'll get a whole bunch. And then over the next 24 hours, we'll get a few less. And then over the next 24 hours, we'll get a few less. And we watch for that line of response totals to go down. And as it goes down, then we send out a reminder, and then we see another spike in the number of responses. But the bottom line is, I've typically found 
not always, but typically you send out the initial and then you send out two reminders. And we generally can get somewhere between 25 and 30 percent. Right. Right. Well, in your experience, and let's be frank, we're talking about decades here, right? Yeah. Of, of, of reading. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> I mean we're talking about maybe thousands of responses you've reviewed over the years. What do members really care about when responding? Well, uh, let's be sure to, you know, deal with the um, the elephant in the room. Obviously, they're going to complain about dues. I don't care whether your dues are high or low. They're going to complain about them. Okay, so how you ask that question about dues is absolutely critical, because if you say, do you think your dues are too high? People are always going to say, yeah, I'm paying too much money. Um, It's a leading question. But there are ways to ask that when you get at the value question. So it's always important to ask about value and how the dues compare to the, the marketplace. The second thing is, and this for any of the hospital folks who are listening will be familiar, um, when you do a hospital survey of of patients, um, I'm sure any administrator will tell you that they know that the quality of care is very dependent on your nursing staff and on your physicians. But if you look at the surveys, what people really care about or what they claim they care about is, was my room clean, especially the bathroom, and was the food decent? And you think, wow, you know, we brought all this technology and all this expertise to you, but it's the basics that really make a difference. And what I found, which is interesting to me, is that that concept translates over to clubs. If your locker rooms are dirty, You may have the best equipment in the world. You may have a phenomenal training staff. You may provide great advice to your members, but if your locker room is dirty or your equipment is dirty, they will perceive it as a low-end club, and that's not acceptable. Um, And then, of course, there's the usual things like, you know, is your training staff responsive? Are they communicating with members? That's a big deal. Is management out on the floor, doing rounds, shaking hands, going eyeball to eyeball? Those things go a long way. The the fitness business, in some respects, is a personal business. It's a relationship business because I can afford to buy myself, and in my particular case, I do have, I've got weights at home. I've got a stairmaster in the house. I got a cross trainer in the house, and I got a stationary bike in the house. But if I go to a fitness center, I got that equipment. So what's different? What's different is the ability to interact with other members, the environment that I have there that's motivating, and whether that staff, that fitness staff, comes up and says, "Hey, Steve, how you doing?" How's your workout going? Can I show you a little trick with that particular exercise? Are you having any concerns? Would you like to do a personal training session with me? All those things differentiate the fact that I can do this at home or I can do this in the club and I can pay X number of dollars per month. And that's where I get the value. 
Steve, I want to uh, loop back on something you said that I think will be really important for our listeners to hear. Um, you talked about you know, the value-based questions. With the influx of low-cost competitors in our market, have you seen an increase in price sensitivity on your results of the surveys? Um, that's a good question, Don. I think we our experience has been over the last uh, probably 15, 20 years as the um, – the low price competitors come in. I mean, let's first define what they do. They've got equipment. They have some trainers there who usually are independent contractors. So they don't really care about the membership other than those people who are training with them. And really the product that they bring to market is a rental of equipment. So it's for those people, like I talked about people who, you know, can afford to have the equipment in their house. Well, some people can't afford to have it in their house, but they can pay a low dues rate per month to go rent it in essence at a center. The, the difference between what they do and what we do is, again, that service aspect. And if you have a medical fitness center and all you're doing is hanging out there with the equipment, your trainers are not interacting, your management staff's not on the floor, shaking hands, asking questions, getting to know people, knowing what their likes are, what their interests are, what's their lifestyle. You know, do you have an elderly uh, member who is really looking to just maintain mobility? Do you have a uh, younger adult who is looking to relive their high school glory and maybe enter a 5K or something like that um, and is looking for something more along the lines of sports medicine? It, it all depends on knowing who those people are. And being able to provide that service, if you can't provide that, it's a difference between, let's say, a sit-down restaurant, a high-end restaurant, and a McDonald's or a Burger King. You know, you're just walking in. I just want just something to fill my hunger versus I want that experience. Um, I always say, you know, another analogy is, you know, you can drive a Chevette. I don't know if you're old enough to remember those little cars, <laughs> but you can drive a Chevette or you can drive a Mercedes and each will take you from place to place. But the experience is different. So why do people spend four or five times the price of a Chevette on a Mercedes? It's the experience. Same thing with the clubs. And that's what you have to see. Um, and that's another reason why this surveying is so important. Are you providing that experience right right okay big question so how can you ensure the validity of these surveys and how do you interpret the responses that's tricky it, and let's start with uh, how you structure your survey um, one of the things that we encounter we, we work with not only our own clubs but we work with a lot of outside clubs that we don't manage who want to survey their members and when we do we try to put together a survey that's customized to their location the services they offer and the things that they want to know now i mentioned that because 
we always start with, okay, folks, what do you want to know? And we get from a client a list of questions they want to ask. And maybe seven out of 10 of those questions are leading questions. And what I mean by that is this, and it, uh, you know, what helped me on this early on when I started doing this is my training as an attorney, they slap you up the side of the head and tell you, don't ask a leading question, it'll get thrown out in court. Um, but you've got to be very careful how you structure that question. It's like that price question I just mentioned. You know, you can say, what do you think of our, our rates? Well, you know, if you ask it that way, again, you're going to you're leading. They're, of course, going to say they're too high. Um, but if you then say, do you feel you get good value from your dollar spent? You're getting the information you want on the rates versus uh, and it's more valid. The other thing, asking that question properly is important. Second, you have to have a database. If you, if I were just a, a typical club owner and I just opened my own club on my own and I decided I wanted to get this information and let's say for a moment that I know how to ask questions without leading or suggesting a response, I could put together a great survey, but if I don't have a database to compare to, it means nothing. So in other words, if we ask the question, um, again, going back to the value question, do you get good value for your dollar spent? And if we ask the consumers to rate that, let's say on a five point or a 10 point scale, whatever, um, is three out of five good? Is four out of five good? Is 4.3 out of five good? You don't know unless you have a large database. Remember, going back to Statistics 101 in college, do you have that normal curve? In our particular case, we've got 20,000 people that have responded to the surveys we've got. I'd say that's a pretty good <laughs> indicator of... Of, of what is a average answer and what lies in that top quartile. So we can look at those things, whether it's how do we rate on cleanliness? People might rate, again, using a five-point scale, just as an example. They might rate it as 3.9, and you might come away and think, oh, wow, we got 3.9. That's almost four out of five on our cleanliness, so we must be okay. But if you compare it to the database, it may be that the average is actually 4.3 or 4.325 or something like that. We can then look at that and go, uh-oh, you're below average. Your people are telling you something here. So it's really important to have that large database to look at. And then, of course, you know, having enough responses back to the 25% rule that we use here at HealthPlex. Um, for the total number of responses. What do you feel on you know, the importance of getting back to your members with a, an action plan or a response to the survey so you know, we can be proactive and know that we listen? Gosh, Don, that, that is just so critical. If you ask people a question 
and then don't get back to them. Their, their, their feeling is, why did you even ask me? You know, why did I take my time? Now, surveys, you, a good survey wraps up in about, oh, 10, 12 minutes. And again, we have the tools to know in advance how long an average person will take on our survey. So we gear them for that. But I'm giving you 10 minutes of my time for free. And my time has value to me. And if you don't respond, if you don't get the feedback back to your members, their response is, well, you know, I'm not going to do it the next time or they don't care about me. Surveying in part is part of that customer service we talked about, you know, getting out there, eyeballing your members, talking to them, getting to know them. Surveying is a part of that. It shows that you care what they think. And if you don't get back to them, if you don't post the responses, if you're not honest, let's suppose, for example, um, your members say, you know, this place is just dirty. It's not being clean to the standards I have, and I'm uncomfortable with that. And you might feel, wow. Last thing I want to do is tell my members that they told me I'm doing a lousy job on housekeeping. Sure, that's sensitive. But if you're not honest about it, and if you don't come back and say, you told us you're not happy with our housekeeping, we're going to do something about it. If you don't say that, then they're going to feel like this place doesn't care. Maybe I'll go shop for a club that does. So that's why we have for our facilities, we have a program. Um, you know, we call it, we love our members. Uh, actually, it's we heart our members because we use that little symbol. Um, but we have that provided as a template for our clubs so that they can go back and post the responses and say, here's the issues that were hot button issues for you. And here's what we're going to do about it. We're going to address those things. And if it's something like, um, they don't feel we give them the value or that we're higher priced than uh, our competition in the area. Um, and we find that we're at the low end of that. Um, you know, handling that is is an art. You just don't say, oh, yeah, well, our dues are too high. And so tough beans, we can't lower them because we have to make a profit here. Um but you can address it in, in some very artful ways so that people know that um, you're hearing what they have to say. Right. So it seems to me that, you know, if we all preach to our you know, companies and our facilities that members will vote with their feet, that this information that we're gathering from our members is really, really critical. Because I know, you know, as somebody in operations that, you know, we can't count on members coming and finding, you know, a department manager or an employee to share some of their concerns. If we don't address things based on some survey results and take it serious, especially in comparison with 20,000 responses, um, that, you know, we're, we're doing a disservice to our ownership teams and to our members. So, you know, wonderful um, information you shared, Steve. So I want to thank um, my name is Don Doyle. I want to thank my co-host, Ryan Barr, and um, our guest today, Steve Robbins, the co-founder of HealthPlex Associates. And um, I, you know, just really, really critical for anybody in operations 
um, in any department to you know, see what your members think and gauge their um, level of you know, happiness or frustration with your facility and be responsive to it. Seems like that's a um, really, really important factor in you know, the survey is that um, what Steve spent so much time on talking about getting back to the membership. So that's important. So Steve and Ryan, since you lead these um, member satisfaction surveys for the team, why don't you guys take a few minutes and, and share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you guys about you know, some more questions or actually scheduling a member survey. Yeah, let me start. I, I will leave you with one thought, and our listeners are, might get a kick out of this. There was a man in the 1930s who wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. His name was Dale Carnegie. And for most of the listeners who uh, may have been born long after 1930, um, they may not ever have heard of this guy, but he was a guru in management, and his book is still available. It's a short book. It's an easy read, and it's one of the best. When it, his point was very simple. Listen to your customer, and it's, it's really worth reading even in today's market. It's still available on Amazon, not that I'm plugging Amazon, um, but <laughs> – but it's worth thinking about. Um, but in terms of getting in touch with us, again, we do our surveys for both our own facilities and for folks around the country. And if you have an interest, it's just healthplexassociates.com. Um, our contact information is right there. Anybody who has a question um, can always call me. I, I could spell out the the, the number and the email address, it's srobbins at healthplexassociates.com. Okay, Steve, that's our time for the day. Uh, Don and I want to thank you very much for your time, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and your story and all the great information about the surveys and metrics that are so important in our industry. Uh, so thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you to our guest, Steve Robbins, for joining us today. We enjoyed the discussion on measuring member satisfaction. If you are interested in learning more about medical wellness, follow and subscribe to our podcast at healthplexassociates.podbean.com.